the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. We're at episode 451. Now, today, our special guest is Jason Foden, who's the Chief Executive at Freeview New Zealand. Welcome along, Jason. Thanks very much, Paul. Thank you for having me. Great to, great to have you on the show to catch up what's happening in the world of uh, Freeview. Yes. Yeah, well, there's a lot going on. It's a, it's a really active media market. Uh, we've even you know seen things in the news today. Uh, the Vodafone announcement and actually um, stuff video. Um, there's a lot happening and there's a lot more to happen. So, yeah, it's a very, very active market, very exciting market to be involved in. Yeah, oh, it's, it's great that you've been able to take the uh, time out. We'll, uh, we'll jump through some of the news of the week and then uh, very, very much looking forward to, uh, to chatting about TV, the future of TV, what's the, what's the place of sort of traditional uh, you know, broadcasting versus streaming and uh, the varying gadgets that, uh, that, that you're involved in releasing and uh, uh, you, me- you mentioned something else maybe up- upcoming in the, in the future. I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about that one just yet, but um, well, sounds great, we're but sort of nice. letting the cat out of the bag there, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we'll, we'll look forward to whatever you might be able to reveal on, uh, on that front as, as well. Uh, but let, let's, uh, let, let's jump into things. Um, a, a fair bit of the, uh, the bits and pieces this week are, are New Zealand-related. Uh, the the first thing that I came across, and uh, last week we didn't uh, we didn't delve into any any news for those that uh, missed it. We had a, a great uh, chat with uh, Chris Quinn from uh, Foodstuffs and talked a little bit about the uh, the future of uh, of supermarkets and the role of, of technology there. Uh, but there was a, um, a a media release that came through from uh, Roy Morgan, which is a is a name that. I guess mostly the the name Roy Morgan to me reminds me of uh, cinema advertising, and I don't know if they still do that. But this comes from uh, Roy Morgan uh, research, and uh, the the headline that I read in Computer World was that podcast popularity is surging, says Roy Morgan. Uh, and then I looked down at their stats, and it said three hundred thousand Kiwis listening to podcasts, and I actually have never heard such a Pathetically uh, small podcast listenership on the on the planet, and um, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe some part of the world where there's uh, no internet connectivity. <laughs> their, uh, their their stats were uh, the number that they they quoted was that eight point one percent of New Zealanders aged fourteen uh, and and above were listening to uh, podcasts. So. Yeah, very, very curious. We've we've seen other surveys, um, and uh, yeah, some some di- some different figures. And certainly, I think the US now they're saying uh, maybe it's a, around thirty percent of the population uh, are listening to podcasts on at least a monthly basis. What do, what do you think of these uh, these stats? You think they they could, they could be accurate? I'm not quite quite sure. Uh, I think it is. Uh, it's very much early days for podcasts in this country. It's certainly, as we've spoken about, um, the interfaces are getting a lot better. Spotify is making it more popular. Uh, we've seen Leighton Smith recently go onto a podcast. He'll be dragging an older audience, kicking and str- screaming into the uh, the podcast world. So it can only go from strength to strength here. I mean, coming from you know, Freeview uh, TV perspective, I always think that video is king. So you'll always be behind video. But there's certainly, 
and a, and a world where people are using their mobile phones and got their headphones on, there, there's, there's definitely a huge market and big potential. So I'd expect to see continuing growth. Um, and again, I, I think we've spoken about before, it's the tyranny of choice uh, in the same way that you have with video too. How do you uncover the Paul Technology podcast? <laughs> but it's it's how do you how do you discover it? That's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. that's the the problem is you're no longer scheduled on a radio yeah. station. You yeah. you've now got your podcast, and people have to actively find you. And I think that's that's part of the challenge. But uh, but uh, on the benefit side, you've got so much variety, you know, an infinite number of uh, topics to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, yeah, and, you know, expect you to talk about video, but it, it is an interesting thing that I've been looking at and wondering if we look out another few years ahead to, to where there's no cost differential to uh, consume video when you're commuting on on a bus or on an auto, or, you know, with with an autonomous vehicle, uh, these sorts of situations where today people would be listening to audio, um, yeah, how that picture might uh, might actually change in terms of longer form content, and and of course we've tended to uh, to do video streams of. Uh, in a quite a, a large amount of the podcast content that comes out of the podcast New Zealand studio here, uh, or certainly a, you know, a, gr- a growing percentage. So yeah, it's certainly something I'm I'm curious how that how that will change. But it, it does seem very much that podcasts are still uh, still on the on the rise as a as a medium that people consume. But uh, a pretty big percentage of that tends to be when they're commuting or when they're exercising, and then you've got all the other you know bits and pieces where. People sit at their computer and do work and listen to a podcast while while they're working. I don't know what percentage of our listeners that that is. I always find that that quite curious in terms of how how much can you concentrate and absorb of the content if you're doing something else. But some people are probably a lot better at multitasking than I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find the same problem. I, you know, if it's a quite a cerebral uh, podcast like this one, you feel like you actually really do need to sit down and concentrate. So. Well, I, hope, I hope listeners are doing that. Yeah, uh, but what what is pleasing to see is that uh, there is more of of a um, uh, level of sort of auditing and, and trying to track down what percentage of our population to listens to podcasts. I wouldn't have a huge amount of confidence in this uh, in this particular one. Interestingly, they're saying Northland uh, has the has the highest uh, stats of any region at fifteen uh, percent uh, of uh, of of locals over fourteen uh, downloading podcasts, uh, closely followed by Wellington. So yeah. it's, it's, there there may well be some uh, some truth in that, but uh, we'll we'll keep keep looking for uh, maybe Northland's uh, for, not getting for, a TV signal. We'll have to more, look into it. More stats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that one. Now another headline that, um, that that caught my attention was to do with um, Foxtel and uh, Netflix. Now I guess you know Foxtel is is uh, when we look across the ditch to Australia, um, they're the the brand I would. Uh, most likened to Sky TV that we have here. Would that be a, a fair uh, an analogy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've got a lot of the sport tied up and a lot of entertainment, and they've been leading for a long time. We've, interestingly, we use the same technology vendor uh, that they use, so, so we've followed them with quite a lot of interest. Obviously, they're a pay TV 
player and we're we're a free player, but but they're embracing, you know, IP technology and and uh, the future, and uh, and so we follow them with real interest. Yeah, well, the you know the fact that they're um, they're bringing adding Netflix onto their set top um, boxes now is, is certainly. Um, I guess this this is a trend that we are seeing around the world, but it, it, I think this is sort of the first that we've seen it for a big t- pay TV provider in in our part of the world, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, they're so. using um, Android TV. Um, they're using Operator Tier because they're a pay TV player, and so you know Android is expected to uh, dominate the market. It's expected to do a lot more, and Foxtel are at the leading edge of that, and have really customised that UI um, because they're a pay TV operator and they get operator tier um, and they've done you know a good job of it. Um, it's interesting that they're leading in with this uh, the, the sort of aggregation of big titles and putting the EPG at the sort of the back. It'll be really interesting to see how traditional audiences you know view that and whether they can easily get access to the EPG. Yeah, that, that's a pretty major change, isn't it? For uh, you know, again, for them as a as a pay TV provider, who you know you're you're used to uh, having them promote those linear TV uh, ch- channels, and, yeah. And now they're actually pushing that to the side and saying, "Here's all the content you can stream on demand as the yeah, they'll, as they'll, the first as the first thing." They'll have to do a really good job of telling viewers that hey, here's a tile that says the AFL's on at seven thirty, you know, tonight. Make sure you watch it and tune in because again people are used to, especially with live events that Foxtel have spent a lot of money purchasing, then you know, they're expecting to see those things show up and, and are used to seeing them in the schedule and looking for them. So but I think it's an interesting move and, and I think it's much more you know, they would have like Netflix, they would have they would have um, tested it with a lot of viewers and, and it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, well, there's certainly uh, a huge amount of uh, of of change afoot when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to what's happening in in the world of of TV. And um, when would it have been? Maybe uh, or oh, ne- nearly nearly uh, as far back as uh, well, nearly two week two weeks back uh, when Sky made their um, their most recent an- announcements and uh, the big headline that. Uh, um, Chris Keel uh, put uh, was was a quote from uh, Sky's uh, new chief executive uh, Martin Stewart. If somebody outbids us, they are going to go broke. Uh, so we're going to see some interesting times now when it comes to uh, when it comes to paid uh, content from from local providers. Now we're really you know starting starting to see what it's going to look like to have uh, Spark in this game as well as uh, Sky. And yeah, um, well, yeah no, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, who, who, who? Whether they're both still going to be uh, standing in a few years' time? We, you know, do do we have that capacity uh, for for um, you know two sports providers? And then what does that look like for consumers in terms of paying for for these things? Or or will it go the way that that we're starting to see? Uh, I guess your uh, subscription video on demand type services, where yeah, you know, basically you know, a lot of people are chopping and changing based on what content's on one one month. They'll have that subscription and then drop it and uh, and change or, or pay for a whole bunch of different subscriptions. Yeah, uh, but it does yeah. seem as though it's getting more and more fragmented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that was the 
Sky's biggest advantage and their biggest curse was being a, you know, an aggregated service. And it'll be interesting to see that uh, as, as they lose some aspects of that and, and it gets split up, whether people will you know, wish for the days when they had Sky channels all together in one place. Um, but one, you know, a few groups who will be shouting from the rooftops and cheering it on be like the, the likes of the New Zealand Rugby Union. You know, they'll be happy that they've got competition for, for their product. Uh, and uh, so it's good for them. Um, it's good for keeping people like Bowden Barrett in New Zealand because they'll have lots of money to pay him. Yeah. So yeah. Um, personally happy from, the, from that, that point of view. But yeah, fragmentation will be really interesting. And it's an interesting statement from Martin. And I think, you know, they've positioned Sky as the home of sport and I think it's something they'll die in the ditch over. I mean, that, that's what the people pay for. So it'll be a, a, an intense battle and I think lots of money will be spent. Mm. Um, mm. And it'll be good for consumers too. It'll be tough on Sky because they'll pay more for content. Obviously, obviously that's what they've flagged. Um, but they know that they can't raise prices. So that they're going to get squeezed. Um and uh, but let's let's hope they continue to keep or this this sort of new change towards keeping the the viewer at the heart of it. So uh, they certainly seem a lot more conscious of that, which is which is great great for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I hope it all plays out plays out well. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be um, it is going to be challenging, and it'll be challenging on their on their shareholders. Um, but. You know, hey, I'm not, I'm not not personally too too worried about that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah, I think you know people that have been uh, c- you know concerned about an investment uh, in Sky. Probably most of those have uh, have bailed out, and I I would have thought uh, having shares in Sky now would be something of a of a of a gamble or or at least a, a commitment to the current uh, leadership and, uh, and 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 seeing them through. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always, uh, you know, with, with change comes opportunity, so it could be a worth of speculation. Uh, I'm not endorsing that, by the way. That's not that's not investment advice. <laughs> uh, but but you know, I think that also, uh, you know, what Sky's got its challenges. So is Spark. You know, you, you, oh, yeah, there's a major event coming up. Uh, it's going to create a peak load. Um, that's going to have a challenge, which which and, you know they are preparing for. Obviously, they're they 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 know that that is going to happen. So they've had a couple of glitches along the way. It's great that they're testing out their service with some sport at the moment, albeit not necessarily at scale. But you know, once that once the Rugby World Cup comes along, there's a big event. It will be a real test, and, and you know that they've recognised that through. They've got a backstop um, for the biggest games and having uh, TVNZ. Um, broadcast those events as well, but um, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they go. It'll be a real test of, uh, and and they'll they'll generate some faith in the market if they can deliver it really well. Uh, and equally, they they might lose a little bit of the audience if they if they don't necessarily do it so well. Yeah, well, it is interesting uh, how they've they've also yeah, hedged their their bets to a, to a degree. And you know the the most recent uh, news on that is they're actually you know uh, Spark Sport are partnering up with with Sky, and commercial premises that are that are already geared up for uh, for Sky and and pay per view content through uh, uh, through Sky won't have to be changing out all the all the equipment and how they get signals to their varying TVs because they will be able to. Um, you know, buy Rugby World Cup um, through through Sky in, in that particular 
uh, circumstance, which which seems to make sense. And and you know, of course, there's a bunch of the games that'll be uh, free to air on uh, on on TVNZ uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense for the pubs and clubs to go with something that they know um, makes sense for for uh, Spark Sport as well, and and shows a level of cooperation in the in the industry, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I think I, I think Spark Sport, you know, they're they're used to this technology. They've seen that they're they, they've built networks that are high speed with great capacity, so they'll understand the challenges for the consumers. So I think they'll do a good job of it. Um, and again, like you say, they've got backstops. So if it if it does all go wrong, and um, which I hope it doesn't, they have got TVNZ. I'm just thinking about that Optus example with uh, yeah. the Football World Cup. I mean, they'll be, they know that well, they, happened. They, they benefit from how bad it went for Optus, exactly. don't they, in yeah. terms of, you know, they, they, you know that's, that's been sitting behind everything that that's always being talked about. And so, you know, they will, they will have looked very, very closely at, at those things. Uh, and yeah, it seems like that they've been working very, very hard from the you know, last briefing that that I had with them, and you know, a, a lot of time spent with uh, internet service providers who also want a good experience for their their customers because an internet service provider doesn't want their name dragged through the water because they can't deliver a, a, a good result, and neither does uh, does the Spark Sports. So uh, there, there seems to be some uh, collaboration going on there, which is, is, is pleasing. Yeah, yeah, I think that is good. I, I mean, I guess there are a bunch of customers who are disenfranchised off the bat, though. That's, that's the customers that don't have a really great internet connection, those people who rely on satellite for their TV, people who have already subscribed to sport who might not have had to pay anything extra if Sky had have been successful in securing the rights. So there'll be a few people with their noses out of joint um, right off the bat. So so they, they do have a bit of a mountain to climb in terms of you know being successful and winning hearts and minds of people. But um, for the mass majority of people, seeing, seeing someone challenging Sky is, is a good thing. Competition is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that competition uh, front, we had uh, news through from uh, Vodafone uh, today that they're uh, they're launching a refreshed Vodafone uh, TV box. Now I've fired a bunch of questions off to them, and uh, last I looked at at, at my email, uh, didn't have uh, have all the answers yet. So there's a there's a fair bit that's uh, that that's unknown. Around what this uh, you know what this new uh, box will look like, but uh, I'm expecting one to arrive over you know, maybe the next uh, ne- next week or uh, or two. But it will be a box that can uh, can access that Sky uh, content if you've got uh, an appropriate subscription uh, through through Vodafone. What's different about the Vodafone TV this time around is it's not just limited to those with a Vodafone internet connection, which was their, um, uh, yeah, I guess the, the the big thing when it first came out was it was limited to uh, um, just Vodafone customers and you had to have fibre. And then after, you know, I think at, at some point they sort of softened up that, that stance. And, uh, yeah, and, and, it's and, quite limiting to yeah. have. They were using multicast, uh, which meant you had to use their network. And it, it creates... In theory, it's really performant, and having uh, multicast, it means it's it's you're receiving a stream to that box all the time. So it's quite seamless in terms of changing channel and receiving content. But 
Um, it wasn't in reality that performant. Um, people found that it didn't work for them. Uh, it wasn't that much cheaper than Sky, um, and it had these hurdles. So it was a bit of a niche product. Um, and opening it up to the internet was was you know to non Vodafone customers and doing it OTT. Uh, just over the normal internet, uh, you know, has, has made sense for them. Uh, they see they've got Fan Pass on there, which is these days a slightly cheaper product. So it it is a you know it is, it is a it's got the all those ingredients to be reasonably successful. Yeah, and I mean a lot, I guess a broad, broader range of apps, you know, Netflix and the uh, the on demand apps from uh, from TVNZ and um, No Spark Sport MediaWorks. That's uh, yeah. That's interesting. That's not. That's, not, uh, that's kind of that's missing at this stage, shall we say? Uh, but it's certainly a step up from where they, where they were uh, last last time around. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see to see how they go. Um, so on um, maybe we'll, we'll we'll come come back to the the freeview uh, side of, uh, a little bit later because there were there were a few other. Um, other little uh, little bits and pieces I wanted to uh, wanted to cover off. Um, one was a was an interesting story around uh, an Auckland architect, uh, and he was basically uh, taken to court for uh, you know wandering off with what what looked like some templates and and company uh, company files. Um, this was Mike, Michael Davies, architect um, in in Auckland, and this was uh, just, I, I guess, very curious to me because I've I've heard so many times about businesses losing you know, bits and pieces of intellectual property, uh, maybe you know struggling to know whether whether they've whether they've lost intellectual property uh, or not. Uh, but this is is an unusual case in that we've actually. Uh, we've we've seen this go to court and uh, and get taken uh, you know pretty seriously, rather than it just be uh, you know something that gets gets addressed very uh, very very quickly. Uh, just trying to remember what the uh, what what the outcome um, of it was. There were a whole whole bunch of, bunch of charges. Um, and uh, yeah, he was basically guilty at the end of it. And um, just wondering whether they actually had um, finalised what was what was gonna uh, what was gonna happen to him. Did you have see that, Jason? It was no, quite I, a, I didn't see was, that. I, yeah, it was quite, quite a quite a big uh, quite a big story. It was a, a, a few days ago that I read it. I'm just having a quick. Um, I mean, it's such a it's such a small market, in New Zealand, to run off with someone's secrets and then use them somewhere else. You, you get found out. Um, it, it's it does seem to go around the industry pretty quickly yeah, when, when yeah, these, these sorts of uh, these sorts of things happen. Yeah, yeah. But, but it is a bit of a grey area in terms of you know if you've gained some knowledge at a strategic level mm. uh, and then you go and use that and apply it in another business, it's probably okay. You know, that's just you're learning, but. If you actually put something on a hard drive and say here's some plans and uh, commercial secrets, then um, you know the, the, you're in trouble there. But again, I think you'll easily be found out in, in a market this size. And um, you know, I would uh, I would I would advise people to be very cautious, I guess, about that uh, doing that sort of thing. 
I'm sure lots of people do do it. I mean, I've thought of, you know, think about some people I've known that that have taken files with them, whether they've used them or not, I'm not sure. They, they think that oh, this might come in handy as templates or whatever, but... Yeah, you know. I mean, we, t- we tend to hear the big news stories that, mm. uh, you know, there, there, there was uh, there was one around someone that left uh, Tesla and they, they took... Uh, you know, a, a bunch of I think it might have even been you know source code for their um, autonomous driving you know technology at at, at the time, which uh, of course that sort of stuff is is changing pretty quickly. So uh, yeah, how useful that would that would be? Um, who who you know who knows? Depending on how quickly it it was or wasn't able to be utilised, but uh, yeah, well, that's um, true. I think I mean, that it ended up in the hands of uh, you know some competition in, in China, and you know we've certainly seen some of these some of these types of situations uh, bandied around in in the past. I think there was um, you know on the similar front, uh, Waymo, who uh, uh, you know lost one of their one of their team to an autonomous truck startup that. Uh, Uber purchased, and then there was there was a whole big uh, you know, legal legal battle around some of, some of their IP. So, yeah, you tend to see these really big cases, but mm. uh, actually, you know, sometimes it can be something that's a, a, on a reasonably small scale uh, that that can you know, can cause some some offence, and uh, you know, potentially, you know, in this case, I I, I can see this really messing uh, with with this particular. Uh, chap's career that he's uh, uh, Michael Davies that he's uh, you know apparently wandered off with uh, with files and so on that weren't his and that he shouldn't have shouldn't have taken and uh, you know now when you Google his name you're not going to find something very nice so uh, you know if you were look ever ever he's going out looking for jobs then uh, he's got this thing kind of hanging over him. Yes, well, I guess it's a it's it's a bit of a someone's been made example of in a similar way they tried with the insider trading case um, with the road user charges company. It's 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 you know you get your name out there and it's very you're a bit tarnished on that. But um, mm. but but it's certainly people. It's a big lesson for people and they'll think twice about insider trading or you know, or giving tips to each other. And so I guess this is a similar situation where uh, I think if anyone has. Put something on a on a USB stick. They'll they'll think twice about using it, uh, knowing that there actually genuinely are consequences that do get enforced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this case, it, I don't know. From the bits I read, it it, it seemed quite full on, but also, yeah. I think I think it is important that uh, you know pe- pe- people understand that. Uh, uh, that's not the right thing to be doing to you know when you leave a, a business to be wandering off with uh, uh, with something that that uh, some some digital assets or intellectual property from uh, uh, from from the firm that uh, that you leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that was those were kind of the the main bits and pieces. We will in a few days have. Uh, well, in fact. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about the timing of this. The, the uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 11 launches this week at an event in uh, in New York, so we will have some details on that. Now, I'll actually be in the in the US for the next episode, so I'm I'm still working on uh, exactly what that's going to going to uh, look like in in terms of uh, coverage on the uh, the Note 11. Uh, but I've got something to talk about on that track, and also some upcoming. Uh, 
the upcoming launch of the Tesla Model 3 here in New Zealand, which I spent a bit of time with uh, with last week. And uh, it's, that's, um, I've got to say, right up the top of my list of, uh, of cool gadgets. Uh, a <laughs> yeah. little bit more expensive than most. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Although the, you know, the Galaxy will probably be quite expensive. I mean, phones these days, they're making TVs look cheap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that the small, uh, small, gad- the small screen you put in your pocket is uh, uh, quite commonly more, more, more expensive than... Um, uh, there's certainly lot, lots of TVs on the on the market at the lower end anyway. Yeah, well, and part of the problem, you know, for me and my business is that pe- people hold on to a TV for 10, 10 15 years. They, they hold on to a mobile phone for, you know, three to five, mm. and then uh, and but they pay more for them. So mm, mm. Um, we have a long, you know, legacy uh, that we have to deal with um, that, uh, that, that the mobile phone manufacturers don't necessarily have to. We don't we don't upgrade the firmware as often as they do uh, software releases. So thankfully, mm. but mm. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a challenge. Yeah. Now, um, a few quick quick things in the uh, telecommunications uh, space. So um, there is a uh, a startup in the US who uh, aims to launch thousands of satellite cell towers. Is the the way uh, I heard it referred to. Um, that would actually connect to your average everyday phone. Now, um, this it seems like some weird science to me that you can get your, you know, your standard three G, four G phone uh, to connect all the way up to a satellite that's, uh, you know, potentially hundreds of uh, of kilometres uh, up orbiting the the earth but uh, having read through through the uh, the details of it um, and I think they're uh, they're, oh, they're going to start with uh, 2g and then move on to uh, on to LTE and uh, yeah the, the idea is you know not to require a different uh, a different handset but uh, actually uh, to be sending sending what what looks like a, a pretty uh, a pretty typical uh, cell signal, although it won't be because it's going to be coming from uh, yeah about 500 kilometres up, uh, and then they have to do some um, some some funky stuff because uh, apparently phones are, to, are generally set to disconnect when they're 35 k's or, or more away from a cell site, so they're going to fake uh, their their distance. Uh, so that they will uh, still operate, and the idea is to be able to cover those regions that don't have good cell coverage at the moment, and work with all the or a, large, a very large percentage of the existing uh, phones that are um, that are in existence today. And of course, in order to do that, they will uh, need to put up a uh, a fair a fair number of these uh, these satellites. Um, but it, it looks like uh, if if it works, it looks like an ingenious idea. Uh, yeah, it, it, madness. Two uh, <laughs> G sounds quite retrograde, and I and I and I can't help but think about those old Motorola phones with the pull-out aerials yes. that uh, extend your your reach. Uh, That's I'd, right. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. We've looked at um, you know, these 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 low orbit satellites for TV, but they don't really work for us because. We need a stationary um, satellite that's much further out, so right. so our expense is a lot more. So it's it's interesting. There was a 
uh, technology they used in the States um, in the early 2000s called MediaFlow, which was forward link only, which, which is good for TV, could actually be, you could imagine that the low orbit satellites would actually be good for that forward link and beaming out TV onto your mobile and and data, but the the uplink, I, I think uh, it would be a challenge. I'd Free imagine. view on your phone, you think? Oh, this is where I'm going. <laughs> I think. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. The company's called Ubiquity Link for those who are interested in uh, in delving into this little a little bit more. But it was certainly something I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard about before. And this idea of uh, you know sending a signal from 500 kilometres away, but uh, tricking your 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 smartphone into thinking that. Uh, yeah, actually, it's just coming from a cell tower about twenty k's away. Uh, sounds um, sounds pretty cunning if they can uh, if they can actually make it uh, make it work. All now, those people who are concerned about cell towers next to their schools will have a um, have something to say, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's a it's a lot a lot further away. Unless you're uh, you're a very tall person, then you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be too near to the um, to where the signal is is strongest. Um, yeah, the, the the second thing on the uh, telecommunications front was uh, uh, very much a US story, but it's of, of global importance is uh, T-Mobile and, and Sprint, uh, who were aiming to uh, to merge. And I think this has probably been going on for about a year, and of course this comes uh, on the on the back of uh, T T well T-Mobile as they call them in the US. It's not mobile. Uh, T-Mobile and uh, and AT and T uh, trying to well, AT and T trying to acquire uh, T-Mobile uh, pre- previously, and uh, and that didn't get approved. Um, but uh, this time around, uh, this merger has been approved um, by the, uh, the the Justice Department in the US, and it's a uh, twenty six billion dollar US uh, dollar deal. So it's a uh, it's pretty sizable in the in the scheme of things, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you know this shows that you know the the, the telecommunications industry, mobile industry, is very mature now, and there's a lot of consolidation. and uh, And we'll we'll probably see a little bit more, and, and margins get squeezed, and look for cost savings through this sort of this sort of action. But um, but uh, Sprint has a a you know feel into New Zealand because it was Sprint who partnered with Telecom back in the day to provide um, uh, mobile phones to Telecom users on CDMA and the wonderful service Push the Talk, uh, which is much missed by nobody. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. We were chatting about that early because you were you were involved in Telecom at the at the time, and uh, there was there was a huge difference between the handsets that you would get on on Vodafone's network with you know, GSM phones there was a you know, a great selection of um, of d- wonderful devices and then on the, the telecom side at the time it was uh, it was it was very very limited yes well we were very uh, jealous of Vodafone in those days being GSM and part of a global group they had things like the Motorola blade which was a very cutting edge uh, beautiful phone of its day clamshell and um, and and uh, Telecom had just a small range of devices, which were extremely expensive because we couldn't get the production runs because we were a standalone uh, New Zealand business. So we aligned our network to Sprint and got into an agreement with them and, and got off the back of their production runs, which you know was a great strategic move and, and was sort of the beginning um, of a resurgence in Telecom because Telecom went from 100% monopoly. In that in that market to just really um, 
you know, just getting hammered by Bell South and then Vodafone, losing a lot of market share and, and got down to a point where, by international standards, uh, a market share that would actually be fatal. Um, but they've actually done a fantastic job and come back. Obviously, they've had to rebrand in that time, so there was some there's some brand damage there, probably more on the fixed side than the mobile side. Um, but certainly, you know, it's a real success story. And um, you could, there's probably lots of people who could take that experience and move to a different company and apply it, and there'd be no problems with IP uh, because it's all strategic and uh, and very good learning. Yeah, look, I, th- I think it's great that the level of competition we've got in uh, in New Zealand in the in the telco you know space right now, and yeah, it's it's, it's fair to say that uh, Spark have done a. a Pretty pretty impressive job in terms of you know re- reinventing themselves over the over the last uh, the you know last last few years, uh, that's for sure. Certainly, we we, we look back uh, even just the, the the length of time that uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast has has been running. That you know we started in uh, 20, 2011. Um, there, there's been you know so much activity and so much that that's gone on in the market over those uh, over those years. Um, and of course, uh, this week it was the the tenth anniversary of uh, of two degrees coming into the market as well. Mm, so yeah. uh, there's just you know tremendous uh, you know tremendous uh, amount of activity that's gone on, and uh, certainly it's become a much more competitive landscape. And uh, on that front, uh, we had uh, a few days ago the announcement from uh, Vodafone, uh, and this of course uh, follows their. Um, them, them being sold by uh, Vodafone uh, Group uh, to uh, to Infratil and um, and a, and a partner, and uh, they are now going to drop a five G network on New Zealand in December, uh, which is a big turnaround from uh, from Vodafone of of what we had uh, what we had heard in in the past, and that five G wasn't. Uh, uh, wasn't wasn't any uh, any sort of priority for them, but of course they were in that unique position of having some uh, some spectrum, uh, this three point five gigahertz uh, spectrum that uh, they that they'd had uh, that actually is uh, is ready and uh, can be used for five G uh, as soon as as soon as they're ready. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It's quite an, quite an <clears throat> interesting. Uh, Maneuver on the on their part, and um, I, I mean, I hope hope it works out well for them. They were they were uh, very vocal in their uh, their announcement, which they did directly to their staff, and there, there were you know a, a few others, media and 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 whatnot, uh, who were invited to uh, to their announcement to welcome their uh, new owners, uh, but they were very vocal around how they were the first. Uh, in New Zealand with 3G and 4G and or maybe even uh, uh, 2G. I'm not. I'm not sure. Were they first in the, in the 2G front? Well, certainly first with uh, GSM, and certain, I think yeah. that was a huge. Yeah. That, that helped them a lot and put them on a great path. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the need for or the desire for um, high speed, uh, plenty of bandwidth on mobile is, is basically insatiable. So um, people will adopt it and use it. So it's, it's a matter of build it and they will come. Um, who would have thought you'd, that your mobile phones would be this capable? They'd be they'd be the speed of fibre. I mean, it's um, and beyond. So I think it's um, you know it's a great step forward and mm. uh, and lets people get access anywhere. You know, one of the one of the problems that we'll talk about soon is is you know that fibre being fixed. How do you get to that last ten percent of the country? You know, New Zealand's been 
very, very successful uh, internationally when you, by comparison with our fibre rollout. But th- that last ten percent is is you know of households are, are going to be tough to reach. Maybe low orbit satellite is the uh, is the answer. You could be right. Or balloons. Or five G. <laughs> Google loon. Yeah. Um, but I, I think yeah. that five G always. Inevitably, it starts in the urban areas, which are already quite well served. Yes, you know, it's 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 the rural areas, and how do you get to the edge? Um, how do you make this high-speed internet available at the edge? Uh, because it's not that commercially viable, which is why you had the rural rural broadband initiative, um, where the government you know put its hand in, in its pocket and, and made it available to um, to to those sort of smaller pockets of uh, the population. Mm. And there's certainly there's a little bit of an unknown here because this 3.5 gigahertz uh, spectrum that Vodafone has uh, due to expire in 2022, so it's, it's very much you know depends on on what happens as uh, as you know when government is is ready able and and willing to uh, start auctioning off. Uh, the, the next uh, the next lot of lot of spectrum and yeah, uh, you know there not, are not some, necessarily good news for broadcasters some, because, some interesting constraints around how that yeah. might play out so uh, yeah. yeah so there's there's broadcast spectrum um, that's very attractive in terms of it's got really great propagation means that the the signal goes for a really long distance and and uh, I think the government would love to make that available at a at a nice price to the broad to the uh, mobile companies so. I think there's um, yeah, spectrum is something that sort of doesn't isn't limitless and, and it has a real value, especially at some of those lower lower megahertz. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting interesting times ahead. That will have an influence actually um, on on what happens in broadcast in the future, mm. um, which is mm. interesting. Yes. Um, oh, and and just yeah, one uh, one gadget, one more gadget that we will uh, we will talk about, and this will come in on uh, on a future episode as well. Is um, Huawei launching a new uh, device locally? Uh, I think it's the uh, the Y nine Prime. So uh, I'm waiting for it to uh, to arrive to have a little bit of a look at. But uh, I I guess I feel a little little bit encouraged that uh, you know Huawei hasn't been completely uh, uh, destroyed by um, by the US just yet. The fact that they're able to still uh, still launch something, and uh, yeah, I, I I certainly enjoy. Uh, their competition in the local market, and and I, you know, I hope these things sort of get uh, get sorted out and uh, and 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 settled. But we'll we'll see on that front. We'll cover that one in another episode. But uh, really, is time to uh, to jump in and 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 learn a bit more about uh, Freeview, Jason, and uh, really, you know, what is what is happening in the market. I think the the last uh, sort of you know two. Things that we saw from you was the uh, the launch of the Freeview PVR um, uh, in terms of a Freeview recorder, little um, well, sort of mid-sized set set top box for the for the home, uh, which also contains Android, uh, and then the the much smaller uh, Freeview um, Smart View device, which you both both have sort of been launched in uh, in conjunction with uh, Dish TV. And uh, out of those, I, I sort of really rate the uh, the little smart view device as as kind of being 
Well, in the US, the, the Roku device has just been this this low-cost device that has had massive market share, uh, and it seems like the, the Freeview device, which is obviously you know, coming along a lot later, there's been all sorts of other things in the market, and lots of people have smart TVs now. Um, but certainly for those that don't, it seems to be a, a, you know, a real sort of sweet spot in terms of it being low-cost, and, uh, and you know, as long as people have got internet access and you know they're in a, in a location where they've got good internet access um, it's a really really cool uh, device you've got the Chromecast type capability from uh, you know sharing stuff from your phone but um, you know access to all the Freeview content uh, streaming and so on yeah yeah thanks Paul I mean uh, it is a uh, so anywhere between 8 and 12 percent of New Zealand households don't actually have satellite access or don't choose to have a dish on top of their house or um, or have DTT or terrestrial television uh, connectivity. So they use IP, uh, their only IP households. And so that number we sort of expect to grow um, because more and more OTT services are, are reaching them. Um, we uh, and so we wanted to get into that market. So and and before like a Roku comes here, and I, and I think Roku's day is sort of past. I think the secret Alexa is, is no longer exists because the market's moved on. And we've got it's, it creates an opportunity for us to get a bit of a beachhead in the IP world. I mean, we are in sixty seven percent of homes now with Freeview, so we're a scale platform on smart TVs with broadcast um, and we'd like to maintain that position as those homes go towards IP and, and and that means keeping an open platform like we do with broadcast but um, it means embracing OTT services as well whilst keeping free to wear at the heart of the experience. Um, the, other, the other thing is um, yeah, so the, the, the PVR, which you talk less about actually, Paul, is, uh, is also on the Android uh, platform. Uh, we designed that with Dish uh, to uh, have a whole lot of applications on it, uh, so it gives you the best of the IP world, but with that ability to get a, a satellite or um, terrestrial TV signal, which is you know really strong HD on, on terrestrial um, and it's for that traditional audience who likes normal TV but um, is interested in Netflix. Um, but it also gives you all that, all those options that the likes of the Sky, uh, My Sky Player has in terms of instant um, live pause, and it's got a terabyte of you know recording capability. So it's more of a sort of a, like a bridging device that 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 meets a market that are you know really interested in recording content really interested in free to air content but with an interest with a, a side interest in maybe a netflix show or a, or on demand um, which is you know it's, it's hugely popular so those devices um, are really filling a need that we see in the market that is changing it's actually not also it's also not just ip only households usually you'll have tv in multiple rooms the TV in the lounge will be connected to the aerial or to the satellite. The TV in the bedroom is going to be on some peripheral device and off Wi-Fi, and so that's where um, this sort of device comes in really handy as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was, I think, filling you know filling a, a space in the in the market, and it's I, I think it's great that you've got uh, you've got both. And uh, you know, when I look look back at the, the varying sort of you know Freeview type. 
devices. There's been a you know a fair number over the over the years. Um, yeah, but partnering would just sort of make sense because they yeah. they seem to have been the the consistent player that's really sort of been dedicated to. Uh, um, Freeview. I guess we've had some um, PVRs, of, you know, personal video recorders from uh, um, from a few, you know a few other brands, but um, uh, yeah, none of them have had had too much uh, attention really in recent recent years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have still got PVRs in the market from you know other reputable manufacturers, and 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 they they work fine. What we've tried to do with with Dish is create something for this market that could compete with Sky that that is really wrapped around a viewer experience that's very consistently um, a free view experience and uh, across every screen. So if you record some content on the PVR, for example, you'll get show tiles in the same way that you'll that you'll see it on on demand. And so you know it's a better, much better than a list view. Um, and so. And the other good story about it is it's a you know it's designed here in New Zealand. It's built in China, like most things are. But but it was designed by us in conjunction with Dish, which would never happen if we had have gone with an international player. There are there are you know players overseas that we could have brought in, but it would have been the same situation as that Sprint, you know you know that te- telecom situation where we had such a small volume that we'd be asking for, would would get a compromised. Um, piece of equipment and it would cost a fortune so um, we've designed and built something here in conjunction with dish that that really is for this market so um, it, it's been a real you know a good story in that regard mm. Mm. has does that um, the PVR has that sort of been getting updates and so on I know initially it, it seemed to have a few issues with dropping recordings and uh, and things like that and um, yeah, Netflix wasn't wasn't there. Are there, are there any sort of Im- improvements, or will that be the next generation device that'll uh, that'll have new capabilities? Yeah, so it it is getting updated all the time, yeah, and okay. and and you know if if you're just doing TV or you're just doing IP, they're they're, they're pretty well mature products and pretty yep. simple. Doing the two together um, is a real challenge. It has been a real challenge for Dish, but there's been several firmware updates to that box that happen automatically and so it's improved um, it's improved over time and we're actually going to launch um, a next generation box that will have Netflix on it um, so that that will be a, a key milestone for us we've got Netflix on the smart view device again because of the nature of IP devices being quite mature um, having having Netflix on the um, on a on a dual device like a tuner and IP device is a real coup, uh, particularly for this market, this region. So so we're really pleased about that, um, and that will be hopefully around Christmas that we'll we'll get that up and running. So um, watch this space. Oh, that's that's exciting. Now these things do take quite a long time to get to get to market. What's the what's the challenge with with that? Is it just really getting to a, a level that you're you're happy with in terms of reliability and and software? It's it's, it's doesn't yeah. seem to be an easy easy job. But uh, you know, I guess uh, you know that, that relates back to the earlier thing of being able to piggyback on on other other products and so on. And um, you know, when when you're having to di- design something that's um, yeah reasonably specific to the New Zealand market, that uh, that means you've got to put a lot of local testing and so on in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've really batted again, uh, above our weight in terms of uh, our relationship with Google and Netflix. It's been really positive. It's taken time to build that up. 
Um, our volumes are very small, though. You know, that, that's the reality of this market. Is it's not the biggest market in the world. So, what we try and say is, like, we're a leading market. We're a test market. You know, largely English-speaking market um, that you can use as a microcosm for other markets. So. Um, we work with uh, the likes of Google and the chipset manufacturers and we get to near the front of the queue um, because you could imagine that um, there's a long queue of devices that need to be approved by Netflix because they like to approve every single device. And right, for our so that's, volume, quite a, that's quite a hurdle then, isn't it? If they've yeah, it got is. to put it through a certification process. Exactly, especially when you're talking the volumes that we've got. So we've really used leverage relationships to get there. And I mean, it still takes time, but um, but you know, we're, we're, we've got something for New Zealand. Um, and with great, you know, again, centred around New Zealand content, which is... Uh, which is a really positive thing as well because um, you know, it would be really easy to just open the door and say, oh, hey, you know, an international player, come on in. Um, but we've seen how you know, that's worked out for you know, our advertising market in terms of what Facebook and Google does, and you know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. Mm. And um, before we start the show, you, you mentioned that um, yeah, the chipsets you use sort of you know, based on the, you know, coming from um, Huawei's, um, team, does that provide any you know challenges for you in terms of um, updates and, and 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 things like that? Is that proving to be yeah at a, the moment more difficult at the moment? Yeah, at the moment yeah. we are. You know, it's that whole one of the things that uh, you know President Trump talked about was that whole theft of IP uh, that we were talking about earlier. That was one of those his bugbears in terms of what the Chinese have uh, have he's alleged to have done. Um, so you know, Huawei is on the um, on the naughty list, and and we've got a chipset manufacturer who's owned by Huawei. So we're not getting all the updates that we'd like to that device. It's not impacting on on viewers. Um, so we're getting the the improvements that we want, um, but uh, but the, but there are challenges, you know. And we in looking forward, you know, do we do we want to be on that same chipset? You know, may, maybe we make a change because we are. Um, you know, we, we want a roadmap. You know, with this, we've got these long horizons. People keep these devices for a long time, so we we want to make sure that we're on the right technology. So we 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 evaluate that all the time. I, I'm sure that this um, the this whole situation will is, is getting worse, but I'm sure it's going to get better. Uh, Freeview won't be able to influence it in any way. No, no, <laughs> you you just have to go with the flow. Don't yeah. You? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and look, I think that's a bit. It's a you know. Uh, Potentially a bit unfair on um, yeah on anyone who's uh, who's who's impacted uh, because they're they're right outside of the loop. You couldn't have known uh, up front that there might be issues or, or challenges. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's an international yeah. market. You know, we've 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 uh, we've got a chipset from High Silicon. It's a really reputable um, market. In fact, you know that that helped open doors for us to to Netflix because they're so trusted and Google trusts them. Uh, it's just a matter of they're they're, they're caught. In a situation that's difficult for them, but again, there's no impact on viewers at the moment, and uh, and you know I'm sure that it'll all uh, get settled one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know if we sort of step back a, a little bit and look at you know what is the longer term view of uh, of of TV in New Zealand, what's Freeview's role? Yeah, where, where do you see things uh, th- things heading? Because we're certainly you know in a in a different time now than what what we were. You know, not too many years ago, just in terms of the number of choices, uh, the way that you can get your uh, free free to air type content and so on. Uh, you know, it was it was a, actually a surprise to me when this you know Smart View uh, device came out as a 
what is it, a hundred and thirty dollar type, uh, you know, device yeah, yeah. that um, you know away you go, you can uh, you can stream and, and get access to all of that uh, that that freeview uh, content. So I mean, it it seems to me as though you're you know they're not asleep at the wheel as it as it were. Sometimes we see uh, you know uh, entities being sort of you know very well disrupted by other players, but you know from the chats that we we've, we've had. Um, you know, seems like you, you've got your eyes certainly on where things are going. So I'm kind of, you know, curious where, you know, what you see a little bit further ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we don't look a little bit further ahead because the time horizons on broadcast on, on media are quite long. So, um, you know, we do think that, you know, obviously we've made this investment, as you've mentioned, in, in an IP led device. Uh, and we see that the future of transmission is likely IP. It will probably be augmented by something, maybe satellite to reach, you know, everywhere because people, you know, you, you can't reach people on boats necessarily. Um, and batches, uh, you know, it's, again, it's that edge. You know, how do you reach that last 10% of, of the population? And, and you don't want to leave anyone behind. Um, but we're talking really long time horizons. Uh, in the UK, they're talking about... Um, the terrestrial TV um, maybe retiring in the mid 2030s. So, you know, and we'll probably be very similar here. You've got a very strong um, market. You know, the bulk of New Zealanders are watching just normal broadcast TV, no matter what people think. I mean, it's also particularly you know outside of you know Auckland, you know, outside the major centres, lots of people are watching TV uh, through a traditional sense and. Not everyone's watching Netflix necessarily, um, although a lot are, you know, admittedly. Certainly, where, the, where there's bandwidth caps, it uh, it makes it a whole lot more difficult, doesn't it, to be yeah, thinking it, about streaming streaming everything. It doesn't uh, doesn't you know doesn't doesn't uh, you know get considered by by a lot of people, and and there are people that still just expect to turn on a TV uh, as they've always always done, and uh, you know, yeah, not, not and geared I, up with the, and I think the technology. That, that, that traditional view. Uh, um, and we're seeing it, you know, being actually playing out by Sky. That, that EPG view and that curated channel for you um, has real value. And um, and so, you know, Sky are looking to do it with their announcement. They've got, they're going to do a rugby channel and they're going to do a league channel. And so they're actually curated channels that have got content for you. And, and I don't know about you, Paul, but I've spent a lot of time sitting on the couch with my wife arguing over what to watch. And we'll spend <laughs> uh, more time browsing than watching. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's actually good just to sit down and say, here's a channel that's been curated for me. I'll just watch what's on because, because, because we can't agree to anything. And perhaps just watching The Block uh, or um, you know, Married at First Sight Australia. Um, you know, maybe that's the thing to watch, uh, and, and we're we're happy. It's the happy compromise that we'll end up watching, and, and it's and it's difficult because, you know, a, a EPG a schedule's great. You know that you know something's on. You the news is on at six o'clock every night. Uh, there are other shows that you don't know to watch. You know, you have to. You know, do, do you see? Maybe you see it a little bit more now that Stranger Things, for instance, is, is advertised. But, but you know, when it first started, it was probably you heard it word of mouth. Uh, so much content is heard about through word of mouth, and mm, so, mm. Um, and that's why catch up services are great because 
on the other side, you know, we've got on, on-demand services, Freeview on-demand aggregates everything together. So if, if you heard about, um, you know, hey, Paul, you should you should really watch Love Island. You'll, you'll, you'll really <laughs> like it. Uh, then you can go back and you can watch it right from the beginning, which wasn't always the case, you know, in the past. So, so it's evolving all the time. Mm, mm. Um, the other thing about, I guess, you know, the, the great thing about, you know, traditional TV is, Everyone's up their game. The most of the broadcasters have up their game. Certainly, the, the the big broadcasters, and they're all doing HD content. You know, it's really great quality. It's good enough quality for Spark Sport to say, "I'll I'll use you as a backup." Um, you know, you know that it works. It reaches everywhere. It's got great propagation. You know, most most of the country can get a TV signal, and so it's a great way to reach the nation. It's a great way for brands to reach audiences. So, I think it's got a you know a really long long life in it. And actually, last year. New Zealand on air, you know, they do a, a survey. I think it's every two years they do it about where the audiences are. It's quite a comprehensive service uh, survey. They they ask a lot of people and and they show that you know while we talk about SVOD services and you know, YouTube for example, which is really omnipresent, the um, you know people are spending you know f- the best part of four hours watching free to air TV a day, uh, and they're watching about one and a half hours of YouTube. So. You know, it's still, still really big. Um, it's, 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 you know, we've grown up with that. It. It'll be around for a long time yet. Mm, well, it's, it's interesting. There was a time uh, when, in my house, there was no, uh, no Sky, no Freeview. It was all sort of, you know, uh, subscription video on demand. And maybe, you know, maybe this is partly influenced by the fact that I get sent the varying different bits and pieces to try. Um, but yeah, certainly. And and it depends on uh, as we've moved whether it's it's easy to hook into an aerial or whatnot for a, for a TV. But um, yeah, we're we're certainly uh, consuming probably you know more for review now than we than we were uh, you know a couple of years or so ago, which which is which is interesting. And you know, I guess you know in part that's uh, um, some of the devices you've launched, and uh, you know the 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 fact that. Um, and these might not be probably not part of Freeview, but the fact that uh, you know TVNZ and MediaWorks have got their their on-demand uh, apps as well, um, you know it's 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 become easier in this sort of more internet-based world to actually access uh, you know some of that content. The bit that I'm I'm still missing um, um, it doesn't seem to exist yet, and I know this is to do with rights and 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 varying other things. Uh, is the option where you you know maybe pay a little bit for uh, for your uh, free view or for those sort of services and you know clear out all the ads? That's probably what I would uh, uh, I I would dream of uh, you know a day where I never had to see a, a TV advert again. Um, but, yes, uh, well, <laughs> I mean so that, that's, that's, a, that's that is a, you know a possibility, and I think you know thinking about some of the things that. That will come. Mm. Uh, I think that again, you've got this great service that is, you know, broadcast TV. Again, the future is definitely IP. We're embracing that. So, a few of the things that it might enable is, um, you know, a parallel channel that you could tune to that you pay something for that doesn't have ads, and and that might be a, a channel one ad free, but it also might be. Um, a Sky Channel on Freeview that you would that you would purchase, or it might be another international channel. So the so the Freeview platform could actually expand quite a lot. The problem that going ad free 
uh, Paul, is that what do you do with that space? It'll just be blank space because you can't find out the end of the show ahead of anyone else. You know, there's a schedule. You'll end up being, you know, well ahead. You have all the spoiler alerts. Uh, I guess that'll be more for you know the on-demand type scenarios where you're yeah, watching yeah. it after it's been after it's been broadcast. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how you would. Uh, how you get the news or get some other, you know, content that, that that's live or, you know, a sports match before it's happened or anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. uh, although that would be cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are obviously some, you know, some scenarios there that are, uh, that are, that's, yeah, that yeah, are somewhat uh, constrained, but certainly that, that sort of my my thoughts around the on-demand. On and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not as though that's uh, – you know, a particularly sort of innovative idea and so on. I've certainly seen it with uh, with the likes of Hulu and uh, yeah, yeah. and Hulu yeah, exactly. Plus having their different sort of price points where, uh, you know, one, yeah. one has ads, one doesn't and so on. That's right. Yeah. And again, I think, uh, I mean, again, it's up to the broadcasters to determine what that business case looks like and the value of the advertising that they're serving. Uh, mm. Certainly... Um, uh, the the advertising in a digital world and non demand world is actually quite more valuable because you've logged in and they know exactly who you are in terms of serving you quite customised ads. So you get the benefit of you know an ad that makes sense to you, and they get the benefit of you know selling that ad at a slightly higher rate. So they would have to balance off the loss of that advertising for the subscription that you're willing to pay. And mm, mm. and it's like you know when iTunes came here and set the the price for music, you know, Netflix has largely set the price for subscription services, and so you can't. You know, there's only so much value you can extract from the market, and only so much people will be willing to pay. Um, but it is that is uh, an interesting thought. There's also, and again, it's outside the realm of Freeview, but um, there has been talk about uh, a free channel, uh, ad-free channel, whether that be Radio New Zealand, whether that be TVNZ One. Um, and become the sort of the state-run channel, but um, that will be an interesting uh, landscape to, to to watch from the sideline and see what happens with that. But um, I certainly see that there's a you know there's a desire for something like that. There would be a, a market for a BBC type um, you know experience for for New Zealand audiences. Mm. I don't I don't hear a a, a chant. Uh, coming through from from any listeners of bring back the broadcasting fee, uh, which they still have in uh, in, the, in the UK, right? Well, yeah, well they've um, just extended the, that, so they yeah. used to have it for free for over seventy fives, I think, and now they've actually because they're a bit strapped for cash because talent costs a lot of money, apparently. Uh, they're they're pulling it back, and and they're saying that a lot of people will actually stop watching TV, and that and 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 that a lot of people use TV for company at that age, and. And that you know, it's not actually a great thing. It's not a yeah. I mean, it's a real bad step. Mm, it's mm. fraught with issues. Um, um, yes, but, but not, just not easy. Back to the 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 you know, sort of the technology angle, and what Freeview can influence is you know the the next generation of TVs um, probably coming up from next year will support streaming TV, and so so again, this will see a proliferation of IP delivered TV, and so our, our goal is. You you might see more channels, um, and you might look down an EPG, and channel one might be, you know, that might be delivered for a traditional broadcast, but you might go to channel forty, and you'll see, and you won't know, but it'll be delivered by IP, and it might be something completely different, and so 
Um, and this is effectively for, a, for, for any TV. It wouldn't have to be considered a smart TV. It's just going to have to have some way of, of connecting to the internet via yeah, Wi-Fi. Exactly, or, or yeah. Or yeah. And then, or, and then yeah, equally there'll be TVs that will have all the channels delivered via IP and you might not need to plug it into a, an aerial at all. But it'll come standard with TVs. And so, again, IP delivery and IP adoption will become, you know, much more, much more uh, prevalent in the market. I guess, you know, one of the challenges um, for the broadcasters in that uh, scenario, though, is that they pay, uh, the internet's not necessarily free for them. They pay for that content to be delivered through um, things called content delivery networks, and they're delivered by groups like Akamai and Fastly, and there's a, there's a couple of others, smaller players. So they're paying for the delivery of that content, they're paying for the space on the satellite for it to be delivered and they're paying for uh, the terrestrial infrastructure as well, access to that. So um, they've got challenges, you know. It costs uh, a lot more to, to deliver it over IP. That's right, there's uh, not. At, at, at this stage where, you, you know, you're effectively paying based on how big the audience is, whereas you deliver it over satellite or, you know, traditional uh, terrestrial mechanisms and, uh, the you know, it's, Flat cost, isn't it? You, you pay, you pay what you pay, regardless of that's right. Whether it's one person tunes in, or uh, yeah, a million people tune in. Right? That's right. So it's a it's a barrier to entry, yeah. which is great for the incumbents, but it, but it is you know it's a it's a fixed cost uh, with slightly declining audiences in DTT uh, and you know in terrestrial TV, um, and it's a variable cost for the for the growing audience. So it's it's a it's a it's a tough scenario to manage that cost. Uh, in this market, and so that will be one of the factors that might dictate the pace of adoption uh, in this market. But certainly dictating the pace uh, in in other markets mm. Um, mm. for sure. Um, but again, we're very much ahead of the curve in terms of um, fibre rollout in this country, and and there's and there are options for dedicated um, IP delivered TV. Uh, certainly, if you've got fibre, you've got an ONT. That's, that's been deployed into your house and it's got four ports and so one of those ports could be uh, dedicated to TV which is uh, which is an option and it could reduce could reduce cost but um, it adds a little bit of complexity though because it's not just coming over the internet you've got to you've got to do something but um, but it might be worth it uh, is it is that something at, at freeview there that you've been looking at closely and, and yeah. talking to the likes of chorus and and the um, the other the local fiber companies Yes, so we have uh, had an ongoing conversation with Chorus about the future of TV. We, we talk to them on a regular basis about that. We've done some trials with them, supported them in their, um, uh, the IP delivery of TV, which is, you know, again, in a, in a world where spectrum is constrained and, uh, and these investments and, and more and more capacity on an IP, then, you know, that IP is the future to deliver 4K, 8K TV. Um, it's it's there might be there's capacity on on terrestrial TV, but it is limited by spectrum, and then there's there's limited capacity on satellite. So so IP is definitely the future for high definition, you know, amazing TV experience. Again, it's got to reach everyone, and it's got to be affordable. So um, and you've got to have the, you know, the the equipment in your home to receive it. And so again. Um, you know, people hold on to their devices for a long time. So again, it's a long horizon. People hold on to those TVs for 10 to 15 years. And those set-top boxes probably for even longer. 
um, and and you know we'll you know we'll need to swap them out and uh, and and we'll need to see that happen in the market naturally because Freeview doesn't have a subscription relationship. We can't subsidise them. Um, we just need to let it happen with the market, but but be prepared in the way that we are, uh, you know, currently doing. Right. So at the moment, broadcast TV is what seven twenty p or or ten eighty i in terms of you know we're not seeing ten eighty p coming through Freeview. There's certainly no no four k. Um, no, no. Here, a, I mean, four K is a bit of a struggle with content, but yeah. there, there's talk about like Tokyo Olympics being four K. There is, mm. there are there are events coming up, and we'll get there. Um, uh, most of the content uh, that that goes across um, terrestrial TV is in HD. Um, on Freeview on satellite, because of capacity constraints, it's standard definition so that that's probably the, the the least best experience that you'll receive and so you know you might want to consider a, you know, if you've got a satellite connection you've churned off sky you might actually want to consider looking at the smart view because that is actually quite a decent picture uh, by comparison or, or put an aerial in but that but you know an aerial is 150 to you know 250 dollars it's it's you know it's an expense you know it takes the free out of free view yeah Unfortunately. Oh, inter- well, interesting times ahead. Thank you, Jason. It's uh, it's been been great to catch up and delve a little bit into this world of TV. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Excellent. All right, now um, people are wanting to uh, either get in touch with you or uh, just get a little bit more of a picture on what what's happening. Uh, on the Freeview front, what's the what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, we've got a Facebook page, uh, so they can get in touch through that. Um, and there's also we've got a call centre they can come through to. So um, we're happy to answer any of those questions through those forums. Mostly Facebook, I think, is a really good forum. Yeah, and we can get back in touch with people through that. Oh, that's great! Excellent. All right, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. That's uh, us for another week, and uh, we'll be back with another show again uh, for you next week and in the next few weeks ahead uh, we haven't locked uh, locked down exact date yet uh, yeah we will be giving a little bit more information around the uh, the reboot of the New Zealand tech podcast and uh, and a few partners uh, that will be coming on board to help with that uh, that refresh of the show uh, thanks everyone for listening in we'll catch you again next week see ya The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.